And so today is Purpose Pillars and Foundation Part 5. As we've highlighted there on the slide, our second pillar is our focus this morning. The second pillar being our personal walk with Christ. Personal walk with Christ. And I want to draw your attention back with me to Genesis chapter 5 for our text this morning of Genesis five twenty-one to 24, where we read that Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for he was taken. So the sub-sub-title of the sermon today is Enoch Was Not. Enoch was not. It's got a nice little ring to it, a little feel. You can think about it all afternoon. Enoch was not. I'm going to explain to you later what that is all about. Today, we are going to talk about a walk with God, a walk with Christ. And my, my goal today is to encourage you, no matter where you are in that walk, day one or day thousand and one, I want to encourage you in uh, continuing on in your walk with Christ. And, and I can't do that, but the Word of God can. And so our source of encouragement this morning is going to be from the Scripture, and it's going to be the story, a little snippet of a story of a man's life named Enoch. Enoch is going to be our encouragement from his life ancient days ago, many days ago. We should be encouraged. Now, many have called Genesis 5, and rightfully so, they've called it the death chapter. The death chapter. So before we get encouraged, we have to be a little discouraged by reality. Genesis 5 is the death chapter. You'll remember back in Genesis 3 when God had told Adam and Eve not to eat of the particular tree that the penalty that he prescribed if they would eat of that tree would be death. And they didn't drop dead immediately physically, but they did die spiritually. They began to die physically, and they were liable unto eternal death, which is separation from God forever, if their sin was not dealt with. And so we come now into Genesis 5, and we are shown that God is serious about this penalty of death. This is the death chapter. Now, despite the fact that we're dealing with image bearers here, did you notice that that in chapter 5 at the beginning? As this genealogy is recounted from Adam to Noah, we are reminded there that God created man in his likeness, male and female. He blessed them when they were created. So despite the fact that all of these people bore the image of God, they still died. Despite the fact that civilization is flourishing and culture is developing in human history. If we were to go back into chapter 4, we would learn about this some. That men are developing herding of animals and farming techniques. And music instruments are being created. And metallurgy is being developed as men begin to work with iron and bronze. Civilization and cities and are being built. And man is developing and taking dominion. In part, and yet, despite all of that development, despite all of our technology today, despite all of our medicine, despite all of our knowledge, death still reigns. We learn this here in Genesis 4 and 5. So even more than that, despite men are now preaching about God. Look at Genesis 4, 26. 
This is the first development of preaching or proclaiming. Genesis 4.26. To Seth, to him also was born, a son was born. He called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Literally, it's men began to proclaim the name of the Lord. They began to preach Yahweh. As a personal God. And so preaching has developed. And yet despite that. Genesis 4.26. Death reigns. And he died eight times in this chapter. And if we were to go on in Noah's story. Who finishes this genealogy. We would find out later on. Several chapters later. The same is said of Noah. And he died. And so you've got ten people here are mentioned. And nine out of ten of them Die before the text is finished. Reminds us of a couple of passages Paul would take up in Romans. That being Romans 3.23. I know many of you can, can say this with me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. So God pays his wage. God is serious about the wage that sin earns. One little sin earns death forever if it is not dealt with. So despite all that we might do, despite all that we might spend, despite all of our knowledge and all of our technology and all of our civilization and all of our culture, despite every effort you might make, in fact, despite all of the prayers that you might pray, death reigns. Because God has decreed it to be so. But this is also what I will call the hope chapter. The hope chapter because one man doesn't die. One man provides for us encouragement. He gives us a glimmer of hope in a world of misery. Because he does not face death. And from this one man this morning, we're going to be encouraged, I hope, and I pray in our walk with God. But the first hard truth we must encounter from Enoch's story is that we start out without God. No one is born a Christian. No one comes from the womb walking with God. We start off without God. Just like Enoch. Look at verse 21. He lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. 65 years of simply being alive. Of eating and drinking and working and going to sleep and getting married. 65 years of being alive and yet he was without God. 65 years of doing Enoch. Without God. 65 years of sweat and toil and labor under the sun. And for what purpose? He did not have a purpose-driven life. Nothing of the sort. 65 years of not honoring God. In fact, practicing those things worthy of death. Suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Not giving thanks to the God of creation and honoring Him in His heart. Sixty-five wasted years. Sixty-five years in the desert of not walking with God. Not believing in God. Not trusting God. Not obeying the light that He had received. Can you relate? 
Can you relate? You see, all of us start out without God. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2. True of all unbelievers before conversion. True of Enoch. Paul says there in Ephesians 2, Though we walked according to the course of this world, we were... We had no hope and we were without God in the world. Enoch had no hope and he was without God in the world. And so it was for all of us until that moment when everything changed. When something happened, something mysterious, something subtle, something unexplainable happened in Enoch's life. Look at the text. Verse 22 begins with, Then... Enoch lived 65 years. He became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God. Somehow, some way, God used the birth of this baby, Methuselah, who would end up living longer than anyone else in recorded history. God would use the birth of this child to awaken something, to spark something, to do something in Enoch's life because he has a then and an after. (laughs) Do you have a then and an after? Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. Not before, but after. He has a then and he has an after. He has a moment when God intervenes in his life and then he has an after where everything is different from there on out. You need to know about your then and your after. The then here is conversion. The then is repentance, faith, being born again. This is regeneration. This is when a person becomes a friend of God, begins to walk with God, knows who he is. We don't know what happened. I mean, it's just a hint in the text that it had something to do with Methuselah. Anything we could come forth with would be nothing but subjection. But something happened. Something changed. And it led to his after. And his after was an enduring walk with God. A consistent walk with God. His after was a life of faithfulness. He turned around. He was going one direction. And he turned around and started going in another direction. And he kept going in that direction for a long, long time. It just makes me step back and say, all glory to God. Who knows what God will use for the then and the after in our lives? Because the reality is everything and everyone is at his disposal, right? So who knows? And that's why I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing what did God use in your life to get your attention? What was it? Was it a great trial? Was it a great loss? Was it a great blessing? Was it a marriage? Was it a child being born? Was it a job being lost or health being lost? Or maybe it was just your weariness of your sin. God has all manner of ways of getting our attention. And somehow he got this man's attention. I just want you to think this morning, what did he use to get your attention? Think back to your then That moment, that day, that week, that time. Maybe you can't pinpoint it today, but you can know that you're walking with the Lord today and so you can trace back at some point it started. (laughs) And what did God use in your life? Give Him glory and thank Him for it. 
It may have been horrible at the time. It may have been terrible at the time. But now you can look back and you can say, praise God. (laughs) Praise God. He stripped me down. He laid me low. He broke me down so that I could now walk with him and have a relationship with my creator. You see, for every person from Enoch forward who walks with God, the pattern is basically the same. There will be wasted years. And then something will happen. And then we start walking with God. (laughs) It's that basic. It's that simple. And so now as we look at the text again, he walked with God 300 years. Now think about this. He's with a real person. He is no longer alone in this world. He is no longer without hope in this world. He is with God God is on his side and he is on God's side. He's no longer a self-made man. He's no longer dominated by pride. This is the pattern for every person that walks with God. You're alone, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone, you're no longer alone. Self-made, self-made, self-made. No, I am humbled. My pride has been broken. You see, for all of us, somehow, somehow, some way, we see our need for God and we humble ourselves and we start walking with Him. Of course, on this side of the cross, this begins when we finally receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've heard about that this morning already. When we bow the knee, we accept by faith alone that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And this is when our after really begins. Somehow in our life, we wanted God in the daily life, right? Not pushed out to the fringes of our life. Somehow, some way, we wanted God seven days a week, not just Sunday mornings. Somehow, some way, we wanted God 52 weeks a year, not just Christmas and Easter. Changes everything when a person starts walking with God. Something happened that shocked Enoch out of his slumber. His spiritual dungeon flamed with light. And he started walking with the maker of the universe. And the maker of his soul. The one in whose image he was made. Have you? Have you started walking with God? I like to ask questions like this versus are you a Christian or do you believe? Because this really gets to the heart of the matter. It really isn't so important that you can trace back to some day and time necessarily. That's great if you can. What's more important is can you answer the question, I'm walking with God right now. That's the issue, folks. The issue is the present and the future. Are you walking with God? Is He in your life? Is it a relationship? Is it a communion with Him? That's the question. Because the reality is you can know about God and not walk with God. You can recite the gospel backwards and forwards in three languages and not know Christ. You can talk, 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 talk and not walk, 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 walk. So this is so important that we just ask ourselves and examine ourselves today. Not so much did I have an initial moment of of faith somewhere in my past. Did I have some emotional experience somewhere in my past? Did I walk an aisle? Did I get baptized? That's not the question. The question is, do you walk with God? 
That's how you know if you're a Christian or not. And if you want to know when it started, the best evidence you can do is to trace back how long have you been walking with God. And go back to when that started, and that's probably the best answer as to when you became a Christian. You need to understand today that every walk with God begins. You must be born again. You must confess your sins, repent, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you want to be saved. Every walk has a first step. (laughs) We must understand that. Enoch teaches us that. Then Enoch walked with God after he became the father of Methuselah. But this is not the whole story, is it? Not at all. Nowhere close. The start is nowhere close to the whole story. And being born again is just simply that, being born again. There is so much more to follow. It's only the beginning. Like Enoch, we must continue walking with God. This is the rest of the passage, verses 22 through 24a. We must continue as he did after he became the father of Methuselah, after he had other sons and daughters. Who knows how many that is? All the days for 365 years, Enoch walked with God. The text tells us twice he walked with God. It emphasizes this. It stresses this because it's in contrast to everybody else on this list. No one else on the list is said to walk with God. He is said to walk with God twice. Everyone else on the list dies. He does it. This man continued then. He persevered. He endured. He continued in the faith. The word walk here in Hebrew is halak. Halak, and it simply means to go or to travel. And so this speaks of a habitual manner of life, right? When we talk about walking with God, the text doesn't say behind God. It doesn't talk of following. It doesn't talk about walking before God as other passages in the Bible do. It uses the word with God to emphasize a side-by-side close communion and intimacy. Walking with God. This speaks again of direction, not perfection. Of continual, continuous communion with God. Step by step, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, I'm walking in communion with God. The closest thing I can compare it to in human life is to walk decades with a spouse. You're walking through life together. With your spouse. And many of you have done that for decades. This is the closest thing, humanly speaking, to what is being described here of Enoch and his communion with God. 65 years without God, 300 years with God. Wow. (laughs) Wow. What a huge encouragement this is. You know what it tells us? It can be done. It can be done. Now just imagine what has happened here. This man had no Bible. It didn't exist. He had no church. He had no Christian friends. He had no pastor. He had no retreats, no conferences. 
I mean, he didn't even have K-love. I mean, he walked with God without positive and encouraging K-love. I mean, how, how is that possible? He had no Christian friends. He has no revelation of Christ like we have. He had no indwelling, sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit like we have. What did he have? He had creation. He had conscience. He had some work of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what it would have been exactly. He has the law written in his heart that he can't live up to. This is, this is a Romans 1 man, folks. Romans 1, that's all he has. And he walks with God 300 years. He would stand up here today and tell us it can be done. What is your excuse for not walking with God? You say, well, I'm too old to change. And I would say to you, he didn't start until he was 65. You say, well, I'm too young. I'm not ready to start walking with God. I would say to you that 65 was really young back then. And some of you might say, well, I've been walking with God too long already. And I'm going to say, really? You're going to go there? (laughs) Some of you have walked with God for decades. This man walked with God for centuries. Listen to Enoch this morning. Listen to his witness this morning. Listen to what he would say to us this morning. He would stand up here today and he would say, listen, it's not a sprint. Slow and steady makes progress. That's why it's called a walk, not a run, not a sprint, not a fly. Slow and steady, day after day, step after step, and you will get somewhere. That's what he would tell us. He would tell us, One day at a time. How do you walk with God 300 years, Enoch? Oh, one step at a time. One moment at a time. Personal walk with God. You, a real person, walking with God, a real person. You, a visible person, walking with God, an invisible person. What a life then is the life of faith. That's what we're talking about. A life of faith, not sight. You can just see Enoch out there, day after day, hoeing his garden, walking with God. While he talks to his wife, he's walking with God. While he raises his children, he's walking with God. Yes, parents, you can raise children and walk with God. (laughs) Imagine that. It can be done. It can be done. He had other sons and daughters. While he cared for his animals, while he pulled weeds, while he prayed for rain, he walked with God. But I want you to note this. The text says he walked with God. It doesn't say that God walked with him. It doesn't say that God is going to walk with us on our chosen sinful path of whatever we think our life ought to be. That we get to decide, God, this is what I want and I'm not really... I don't really care if you're you're all into this path, but this is the path I want. Now, will you come and bless it? That's not how this works. He walked with God. Here's how it works. God is already going a certain direction. 
That direction is called toward holiness, toward heaven, toward glory. God's already going that way. Enoch was going the other direction for 65 years. One day they encountered each other on the trail. God kept going the same direction he was always going. Enoch turned around and started walking with God. That's how this works. God never turns around and starts walking with us. God doesn't do U-turns. God doesn't do that. He goes the same direction always, and we do the U-turn and start walking with Him. That's how it works. That's what Enoch would teach us. Also, I want you to consider this. If you're going to walk with God, you better be prepared to be in the minority. You better be prepared to be one of the few. Enoch is one of ten on this list that is said in this passage to walk with God. We learn later Noah also walked with God. So two out of ten in this genealogy. And this is the messianic genealogy. This is the good genealogy, not through Cain, but through Seth. And it is said of two out of ten of them uh, that they walked with God. You must plan to be in the minority then. It's actually an emphasis in this passage. What about Mrs. Enoch? Did she walk with God? We don't know. What about Methuselah? What about these other sons and daughters? What about his friends? Did he know anyone? Did he know anyone who walked with God? We're not told. It's singular, isn't it? One man walking with God. He's in the minority. He stood out in a crowd. He stood against the crowd. He preached against the crowd. Listen to his preaching. It's in Jude. We're in the first book of the Bible. Go to the next to the last book of the Bible. Next to the last, right before Revelation, Jude, verses 14 and 15. It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, proclaimed, he preached, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is Enoch. This is Enoch standing against the crowd. This is Enoch being a, a minority of one. This is Enoch preaching against the crowd, in fact. And, and what's really amazing, this is Enoch before the first coming giving a prophecy of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. That's a reference to the second coming. But he walked alone as, as needed. He was a minority. His encouragement to us then is if we're going to walk with God, we better be prepared to be in the minority. If that's going to really upset us, then we're not going to go far with God and we're not going to go long with God. At some point, we too must stand out against the crowd and up in the crowd. His encouragement includes something else as well, though. 
This is really amazing. This is one of those aha moments in Bible study. Not only was he willing to walk alone, but he was also willing to walk in contrast to the ungodly around him. Now, you certainly got a feel for that in Jude, right? We saw the word ungodly, I think, four times there. He was godly. Many others were ungodly. He didn't mind. He could stand out in contrast. But there's actually more to it, and it's back in our text in Genesis I'm not going to take time to go back and read it, but in Genesis 4, 17 to 24, Moses traces the line, the genealogy, from Adam to Lamech. And there's two different Lamechs in Genesis 4 and 5 and two different Enochs, okay? Don't get confused there. Same name, different people. So in Genesis 4, it's tracing from Adam to Lamech through Cain, through ungodly evil Cain, and it ends there with ungodly, evil Lamech. This is the man in Genesis 4 who had two wives. First one to do this, basically saying, God, I don't care about your plan for marriage. I'm going to do my own plan for marriage. And he has two wives. This is the man who was wounded by a young person, and he turns around and kills him in revenge. It wasn't eye for an eye. It was revenge and vengeance. And then Lamech turns around and gathers his two wives and he boasts to them about murdering this young person. So he's boasting about murder. He's flaunting God's plan for marriage. He writes a little poem celebrating himself. And he takes it a step further because God said, whoever kills Cain... Uh, He'll be avenged seven times. Well, Lamech says, God, you know, you're a little paltry seven times for Cain. That's nothing. If anyone ever harms Lamech, revenge will be 70 times seven. Again, just shaking his fist in God's face. Lamech is number seven from Adam in this genealogy. We come to chapter five and we trace the godly line, the messianic line from Adam to Noah through Seth and godly uh, Enoch is, lo and behold, seventh from Adam. And so Moses is showing us these two people in contrast to one another, evil Lamech, godly Enoch. What a contrast they are. They are contemporaries then, but they are worlds apart. They live in the same world in the same day in the same age, but they are a completely different kind of people. And so it will be with us from the world. So let's recap. 65 wasted years, 300 God-fearing years. Very, very impressive. No one in here has ever come close to this, nor will we. But I've got to finish this. What's most important is not that he walked with God 300 years. What's most important is that he completed his course. The duration is not the thing. Finishing. Finishing is the thing. Okay? That's what he encourages us to do. And that brings us to our final encouragement from Enoch's life. God rewards our walk with faith. God rewards our walk of faith, I should say. Look at verse 24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So visible Enoch is walking with invisible God, and one day, visible Enoch, poof, he vanished. He was not. 
He was no more. He was gone. He was there. He was just there. And now he's not there. Where is he? Where is he? He's gone. Where did he go? God took him. Where's that? Heaven. Where's God? Heaven. God took him. God said, I want you for myself. Come be with me now. God took him. This is incredible. This is a rapture of one. He never died. He never got sick, didn't get diseased, didn't get decayed, didn't get buried, didn't die, no corruption. He just took him. He rewarded his faith. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. Death is everywhere. He's surrounded by death. He's burying people every day. All of his predecessors were into their life dying, but not this man. He's like Elijah the prophet. And this is very amazing. Enoch is about halfway between Adam and Abraham. And Elijah is about halfway between Abraham and Christ. And God says, church, let me give you some encouragement. Let me show you what I can do back in the Old Testament. I'm going to rapture Enoch and I'm going to rapture Elijah. To show you what's going to happen to you one day. Who walk with God. (laughs) Poof, we're going to vanish. They're going to say, they were just there. And now they're gone. Where did they go? (laughs) God will take us. We'll meet Christ in the air. The lesson here for us, the encouragement for us is, if you will walk with God, God will reward you. God will reward your faith because a walk with God is a walk of faith. One more New Testament reference. You can just listen. Enoch is not some total mystery man. He's brought up in Hebrews 11. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he, see, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Next verse. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So that great Hebrews eleven six is right after the story of Enoch. He was taken up. He was transfigured. He was raptured. He was glorified without ever facing death. He was changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. John Calvin can occasionally say things with a bit of understatement. Here's his quote about Enoch from Genesis 5. He said, in short, his translation was a placid and joyful departure from this world. We too find ourselves surrounded by death. 20 people in a limousine crash. How is that possible? In the summer, all of those folks on that lake in Missouri and that storm came up. A tsunami recently, gotten very little publicity here in Indonesia, thousands. Two hurricanes on our continent, on our country, many, many people killed. Closer to home, people swept away in recent floods. We're surrounded by death. He was surrounded by death, but death would not find him. He is in the first third of his life. He's 365 years old when people live to almost a thousand 
and suddenly he's in God's presence. I don't think he knew this was coming. I don't think he prayed about it. I don't think he ever thought about it. I just think one day, boom, he's in God's presence. And this is our glimmer of hope. This is our glimmer of hope and encouragement and comfort in a world filled with misery and death. There are two great examples of God rewarding faith in these chapters. Enoch is one. He walked with God and he did not die. Noah is the other. He walked with God and he escaped the flood. Faithful faith then is pleasing to God and God rewards it handsomely. I like that phrase, faithful faith. It doesn't just speak of a beginning point where we start out out of the, out of the blocks, you know, all gung-ho for God, and then we fade away like the afternoon sun. No, a faithful faith is obedience in one direction for a long, long time, persevering in the faith, a faithful faith in God, and he rewards this handsomely. You may ask then, does this mean that if we walk with God, we will not see death? Maybe exactly what it means if we're the generation that gets raptured then we're going to be walking with God and we escape death as well but for sure it means that in this life and in this world and after our physical death we will see God Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. May we press in and may we press on to an ever closer walk with Christ. Knowing, beloved, that God will handsomely reward you when you hit the finish line.